home in my life. I just turned 60. When I was 18, I used to reflect on those who were 30 and wonder what on earth they could possibly live for. The same partner, children, responsibilities, work, etc. How utterly boring. Then I turned 30 and saw life in a different way. We often say we feel the same as we did when we were 20, but it's not true, and that's a good thing. We're constantly changing. New dimensions and realizations pop up while other dimensions of us fade. We just don't notice the fading. For me, if nothing had faded, I would still be wanting to go to discos most nights and flirt, and I would still have an eating disorder, meaning a primary focus on what I could and should eat and how little I had eaten. I would still fall into dark holes of depression. I would feel disconnected from myself and anxious. I'm glad to say that's no longer part of my inner life. What part of your inner 20-year-old is gone? Gentler life experience. Life, particularly the past 10 years, has become so much easier due to a gentler and kinder self-relationship. We live in a self-relationship that can be kind, collaborative and gentle or harsh, abusive or critical. My younger self would whack itself internally for not being kind enough, not working hard enough, having forgotten something, not being social enough, not being efficient enough, and so on. The older I get, the kinder and gentler that relationship has become. Early in my life, I was much more other-dependent. I would get lost in what others were doing and how they were living, or worry about having said the wrong thing, or feel anxious about the risk of letting someone down. Part of this is that the younger me was so busy conforming or considering how I was perceived. Now the inner relationship takes up much more of my attention, as if I've tuned to myself in loyal friendship, being at home within. And through this, I've become more available to others. Another way that this shows is I no longer push myself to avoid feeling lazy or missing out. I listen to what the system, body and feelings, is at, what it needs, and I allow that to rule. That means I sometimes work till 11, go for a long walk early, and take a snooze at 3, or do gardening and then computer work. So rather than the day's activity being ruled by ought to and should, I allow the system to guide me. It feels organic and saves me sitting trying to do something that's not happening. Instead, it's fluid and nonviolent. Possibly some of my overwork has stood me in good stead from a business perspective, but it was hard on the body and didn't serve mental health well, nor relationships. When we really listen to our bodies, it becomes clear that the way the corporate world functions is really not meant for human consumption. It does not serve humanity. The everlasting life. What is it that you plan to do with your wild and precious life? asks Mary Oliver. When I was younger, I had the feeling that life would go on forever. In my early 50s, I became acutely aware that I had spent far too much time as a handbag at official engagements, being a witness to other people's lives. I had also spent far too much time doing things out of duty. An aphrodisiac for life is facing our death. It's the core Buddhist practice as a means to make us not live in autopilot, but to become awake. We can actually work out our likely, based on averages, death rate through actuary tables. So I'm likely to die in 2044. That means 22 years left. Today I saw this. Did you realize that 1970 and 2022 are as far apart as 1970 and 1918? 
and it makes me think where I was at 22 years ago. From then to now is what I likely have left. And that's not forever. And that means less time to waste, which means we have to think about what is quality time and what's not. We all have something to offer the world, a little way that we make the world a little better. The risk is we miss the opportunity because life's just happening. So as I have aged, I've become a little more deliberate about how I spend my time. Youth versus aging. In researching aging a little, it becomes clear that aging is defined through the lens of youth. From that perspective, aging is just loss. The topics are about staying youthful instead of what aging and getting older might offer. Many years ago, I met a man in his 80s who was writing a blog. He was not quite sure of the point of his writing, yet he had many who enjoyed the political satire and sharp wit. I said to him that we actually do not hear much from old men. We don't hear much of their perspective. He replied, I'm not old. It was interesting to me that old is such a negatively loaded word, just as negatively loaded as young is positively loaded. Why? If we adore youth to the detriment of age, does that mean it is easier for us to be immature rather than mature? Does it explain why our culture generally functions at a teenage level? Menopause, a part of getting older, is feared by many women as a time of becoming irrelevant and invisible and also a time when many health challenges occur. Yet for many, that's not the case. Like puberty, it is a time for transition of more intense shedding fading and newness. Menopause is potentially a time for intense shedding, for transformation, but not if we choose to be frozen in an addiction to youth. I envision a welcome committee of older women ready to share the insights and richness of what the older woman has to offer and a similar thing for men. Our society is poorer without a strong, clear voice from older Australians who are proud of what they offer rather than seeking approval through being youthful. Age enhances our capacity for audacity, ingenuity, discerning wisdom, and for savoring life and riding its ups and downs with equanimity and humor, growing older, a blessing, not a curse, a homecoming, a humble triumph, a culmination worthy of celebration, says Susan Avery Stewart. Thank you for your time.